0: Love Talk
1: Radio. It's January 7th, 2018. Happy New Year, everybody, and welcome to Working for a Living Radio Show, where progressives for change present opinions that matter. Tonight, we're joined by co hosts David Fillion and Jeff Brown. I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight. Please remember good leadership is never about power and control but rather for the honor and privilege of serving the members in the interest of the membership. To be sure, each and every member of the leadership team of Working for a Living is committed to returning our union, the UAW, to a labor ethos, and that ethos then administered in the interest of all of the rank-and-file members. Having said that, we certainly hope most of you stayed safe over the holidays. Go on to announcements. Remember that Team Working for a Living supports Medicare for everyone and removing the $127,000 cap on earnings that are subject to participation in Social Security. That means everybody has to pay. On July uh, 7th, the NLRB issued a complaint against Honeywell, alleging that its 10-month lockout of workers at South Bend, Indiana, and Green Island, New York, violated a federal labor law. Honeywell locked out over 350 workers after refusing to agree to Honeywell's proposal that the company be allowed to unilaterally change, among other things, the terms of their health care coverage during their life of their contract. The trial was scheduled to begin May 7, 2018, in Buffalo, New York. The potential liability for the company was over $20 million. Rob, who was appointed by President Trump in November, reversed the July decision of his predecessor in another favor to big business by the anti-worker, anti-union atmosphere in Washington, D.C. This decision denies workers their day in court and highlights the dangerous role politics have taken at the NLRB. Announcement number three, the UAW International Executive Board has elected Terry Dietz, a regional director from the East Coast, to be the union's newest vice president. To be sure, that is uh, New York and Pennsylvania, uh, as my understanding is. Dietz 58 will oversee UAW's Fiat Chrysler Department, which is embroiled in federal corruption probe involving millions of dollars from a joint fund center, alleging, allegedly being siphoned by union and company officials. Dietz replaces Norwood Jewell, who retired effective December 31, about six months before his four-year term of office ended. Announcement number four, this is from Reuters. Reuters. Most major major automakers on Wednesday reported lower December U.S. sales and forecast weaker in overall sales in 2018. But investors bid up the shares in the the sector on a bet that high margin pickup trucks and SUVs will pull Detroit's automakers through the downturn. Uh, Noticing that they said through any downturn. Okay. Okay. The December numbers were above analyst expectations, lifting the shares of General Motors, Ford, and, and Chrysler, according to Auto Data Corp., which tracks industry sales. The seasonally adjusted annual rate of U.S. car and light truck sales fell in December to uh, $17.9 million from $18.2 million in December 2016. That's year over year. That's sort of an oxymoron that somebody would think that sales of high-dollar vehicles would pull some automaker through a downturn when money's less likely to be available. Interesting little thing there. Uh, number five. <laughs> my God. Uh, the Trump administration is officially going forward with its plans to roll back a new implemented, uh, a new rule implemented by President Obama that would extend mandatory overtime to 4.2 million workers around the country. The US Department of Labor asked for public comments which is the first step in revoking or revising the rule. If implemented, the rule would double the maximum salary a worker can en- earn and still be eligible to receive overtime pay from employers. Rather than let it go straight into effect, the Trump administration is first asking for feedback on it, why it should be raised from its current threshold of $23,660 set in 2004, and if it should should even be adjusted for inflation. Workers' rights groups say the rule is necessary because employers are giving employees low salaries with high work hour demand sometimes 60 hours a week in attempt to run an over uh, around overtime laws meant to protect workers when announcing this proposal last summer Obama said that this is an issue of basic fairness if you work longer and harder you should be you should you deserve to be paid for announcement number 6 shares of Fiat Chrysler Automobiles surged uh, this week on heavy trading, I believe this is redundant. Uh, my assistant did a nice job of that before. Uh, number seven, uh, Takata Corporation, uh, the parts supplier that filled the, filed for bankruptcy after sparking the largest auto recall in history, uh, called back 3.3 million airbags as part of a U.S. order that scheduled repairs of the potentially deadly devices over several years. The supplier identified at least 15 automakers that purchased the airbags, including Toyota Motor Company, Honda Motor Corporation, General Motors, BMW, AG, and Tesla. Takata said it will work with the companies to develop a remedy for each of their vehicles and urge consumers to get get their airbags replaced. About 65 million inflators are set to be recalled by the end of 2018 under a National Highway Trafety, Ch- Traffic Safety Administration plan to replace the parts in phases, scheduling the riskiest parts for repair first. Announcement number eight, Joe Ashton's attorney is a, uh, is a former federal prosecutor and secret special agent from Trenton, New Jersey, named Jerome Ballarado. Ballerato is a published uh, crime novelist under the name of J.A. Ballerato, and his website asserts that he is an attorney. He stands between his clients and the uh, forces of evil. Uh, I'm not sure who the force of evil is there. We'll just, you know, keep that in abeyance. That's a new word for some of you listening. Uh, I hope that you uh, that this applies to understand what it is now. Um uh, by invitation, our oh, yeah, by invitation, our Working for a Living radio show is now a member of the Michigan Association of Broadcasters. Thank you for the invitation, and we're happy to be a member of your fine organization. Announcement number ten, Title 29 USC 481G is a federal law that prohibits using dues dollars to promote a union candidate. Let me repeat that. Title 29, USC 481G, is a federal law that prohibits using dues dollars to promote a union candidate. Should you be approached by anyone being paid or otherwise using dues dollars to promote any candidate, please email working for a living with a date, time, place, name a person who contacted you, along with the nature of what you were told. Thank you. Email and messages. We had lots and lots of Christmas wishes from all over. Thank you very much for those. Lots and lots of New Year's wishes again from from all over. Uh, Good luck in the coming year from all over. And last one, an individual said, this is going to be an interesting year. Yes, it is. (laughs) And that one was from Michigan. Uh, Thanks to all of the email and message writers to us, we really appreciate the outpouring of support, especially over the New Year's Eve night. There were thousands that came in, and we really appreciate that. Uh, It's very inspiring. Uh, Our quote of this week is, uh, this is an interesting fellow that said this. You see him on on most of the big-time movies. Uh, If you don't fight for what you want, don't complain about what you've lost. The Rock That's it, movie star guy Okay Uh, Let's bring on our co-host, I believe David's here Hello, David, how are you doing? Good How are you tonight? I'm pretty good Uh, Why don't you uh, go ahead and start your report? Okay, you would like me to begin? Yep All right
0: um, i reading um, from a piece from 1982, or 84 actually. As UAW and General Motors prepare for difficult negotiations for a 1984 national contract, a leaked document by GM's Vice President of Industrial Relations, Alfred Warren, has severely embarrassed both company and union officials. The memo outlines a presentation made by Mr. Warren to GM personnel directors in October of 1983 and describes GM's bargaining strategy and basic labor policy. Company's goals include elimination of the cost of living allowance and productivity pay and the institution of, a, of benefit co-payments the elimination of local work rules and the expansion of outsourcing the initial the initiation of two-tiered work wage system and the expansion of profit sharing the memo reveals GM hopes to eliminate 80,000 to 100,000 jobs by 1986 to achieve these objectives GM plans to elicit employee cooperation without surrendering traditional management rights. It hopes to replace formal bargaining with a continuous agreement and plans to launch a sophisticated public relations campaign to mold public opinion and to pressure the UAW into submission. So comprehensive and disturbing are the GM's plans, that UAW president, Owen Bieber, who supported concessions in 1982 has said that the document supports many of our worst suspicions about the motives and intentions of General Motors Corporation. The implications of the document are far reaching. American labor can expect employer belligerence in the foreseeable future. Bargaining strategies, According to the document, GM's goals for 1984 negotiations are to reduce labor costs per car and to increase the quality of the workforce. These goals will require GM to attain the following objectives. Contain labor costs per car. Reduce labor hours per car. Enhance both internal and external outsourcing capabilities labor management relations toward problem-solving processes and enhance individual accountability and commitment to achieve these objectives, GM will use the following strategies. One, to achieve labor cost savings per hour, GM intends to eliminate the UAW cost of living allowances, up and Annual Improvement Factor, AIF. GM also wants to reduce the annual rate of increase in benefit costs. High on their list will be pensions and healthcare expenditures. Currently, GM is spending $2.2 on on healthcare delivery, and these costs may double in the next five years the UAW will be asked to contribute to the health care cost containment with the likely method to be the co-payment of medical insurance. This will further erode the disposable income of auto workers. In return for giving up COLA, AIF, and full payment, GM proposes to extend its profit-sharing program since 1982, Each UAW member gave $5,500 in concessions, deferred wages, and COLA, and lost paid personal holidays and bonus holidays, while they averaged only $640 in profit sharing in 1983. Furthermore, profit sharing causes auto identified with the company rather than fellow workers at a time when union solidarity is crucial to rebuilding the UAW. Another GM strategy involves restructuring the guaranteed income stream, GIS, to reduce costs. During the 1982 negotiations, GIS was touted by the UAW as a major income security gain for GM employees. And as a Pro quo for concessions, GIS gave high seniority workers prorated supplemental income if they lost their jobs through layoffs or plant closings. Since GM plans to terminate as many as 100,000 auto workers by 1986, it's little wonder the company wants to restructure the program. Furthermore, GM wants to implement a two tiered wage system. In the last several years, the company attempted to negotiate just a two tiered system with several subsidies, including Packard Electric and Warren, Ohio. In 1983, IUE, Local 7, 717, voted overwhelmingly to reject a plan that would have reduced compensation by two thirds for new workers doing wiring assembly, but GM hasn't abandoned this idea. GM also has ideas for cutting labor costs at selected facilities on a local basis. The leaked warren document proposed freezing existing compensation for new workers doing wiring assembly, but GM hasn't abandoned this idea. GM also has ideas for cutting labor costs at selected facilities on a local basis. The leaked Warren document proposed freezing existing compensation levels, modifying selected new wage and benefit provisions otherwise approved by the 1984 national agreement, reducing hiring rates and extended grow-in provisions for new employees and modifying contracts to provide for local approval of wage agreements. If these proposals were accepted by the UAW at the targeted operations, it would involve a major break with the UAW pattern-setting approach that takes wages out of competition, destroy the principle of equal pay for equal work, and set worker against workers and local against local union. This is where we will stop this week um, with this report. Um, next week, we will continue with the second half of uh, this presentation. And uh, this time, I will hand this over to Leroy for discussion.
1: Right. This, this would be the second part next week. In a series, we expect to be a five-part series. On this uh, portion, this is an article uh, by a, a well-known labor professor, and the proper attribution will be given in writing. Um, there is a companion page uh, regarding this uh, information uh, for this uh, tonight's show, uh, that'll be on the uh, available by link from the uh, radio uh, uh, page you know, our announcement page uh, on the dot com uh, to another page that uh, contains this information and I, attribution again will be given there. Uh, so David, um, this information about uh, GIS, not very many people even know what GIS is anymore. Uh, it was protection of wages after 10 years uh, that you would be prorated in uh, at a, like a 60% of your wages uh, for all time. Um, and uh, if you had like 15 years, it was like 75 or 80%. And at 20 years, you had 100% of your wages locked in for all time. Not very many people actually ever received GIS, a few, but not many, because they were uh, very crafty, uh, General Motors was, in making sure that the longtime seniority persons uh, may have been laid off briefly, but they uh, were called somewhere in the United States in order to prevent them from being receiving any more GIS it should, even if they should have uh, resigned or, or um, uh, uh, refused—I'm sorry—refused a, a transfer. I believe that negated the GIS, so they had to take a tra- transfer or lose that money anywhere in the United States. So, the, but they knew that they were trying to do that with GIS. They knew that they were trying to do this with healthcare. They talked about a tier two system. This document was written in October and, uh, and published on October 11, uh, 1993. I'm sorry. October 11, 1993 is when this core document was published. We're quoting now from uh, a very insightful labor professor who called th- this to the T in advance because he wrote this article in 1984. Now, this might seem like a long time to you, but that's how far ahead these corporations look when they're structuring an attack against labor. This was written in 1983 by Alfred Warren and reported on by another Ph.D. in 1984 labor professor head of a labor department major university and this is very insightful by this professor i can't tell you how insightful it was and the uaw knew about it enough that this professor quoted owen bieber as saying this is just uh in in uh, the worst of our Uh, expectations of what the corporations may be doing to us. UAW knew about all of this and just laid over and played dead. No pushback whatsoever while all of this was going on. None whatsoever. Even when we still had the really ruling hand, if you will, with a lot of members and now, with so little members, doing almost the same work as 400,000, there's like uh, 52,000 in General Motors, but Ford and Chrysler are doing the same thing. Don't don't make no mistake about it. They've done the exact same thing. This is just written in General Motors, and they all go to these little meetings. And, you know, they're not allowed to collaborate between one another, but at a meeting for, you know, Standard American Engineers where their members, for example, and they can all go there and have a kumbaya moment. and Say, hey, you know what? This is this is an interesting thing. And, oh, look at the document that was written about this and what we did, and who leaked it and why they leaked it. So they, you know, once leaked, the other corporations can implement it as well. There's there's purpose by behind all of this, and we have the full document. You'll be seeing it. We have the full article, and you're, you're going to be hearing about it from David in the next five sessions. Shows. This is very, very important stuff to understand why we are where we are, and what happened, and why our un- and what our union knew, and why our union did not protect us from such such things. Not just you know, this isn't about our union. This is about the union leadership not protecting us about it, that knew about this. The insiders at the top, at the very top, knew about this. We've come upon this several years ago, and we've been sitting waiting to bring it out, and the first show of the year is a good time to bring it out. And so far we're quoting from the article written about this document. Very, very very damning information that speaks volumes about the leadership of the UAW for the last 33 years when this article was written after the document was leaked, a year after it was written. So this is horrible stuff, and they knew about it and did nothing, nothing at all to protect us. No pushback. They allowed the jobs to be merged to the point that it's inhumane to do some of these jobs. They didn't go to just two tier wages. We got six tiers now. Working for a living has as a as a platform plaque to have a pathway to seniority in a specified period of time to end this, I believe it's Appendix D, that is circumvented, paragraph, I think, 57, where you're supposed to have seniority in 90 days. We also have a platform plank to full wages in a specified period of time. And not just if somebody gets picked up to be put into the end progression, this is going to end. They have abused us long enough. David, do you have any comment on what you read there? I know you just read it, but I know you have comments on it as well.
0: um Actually, I would like permission to um read an excerpt. From the actual slideshow that was leaked by Alfred Warren, influencing UAW leadership. Do I have permission to read that?
1: Yeah, go ahead. Take take a shot at yeah. it.
0: Influencing UAW leadership. In the area of influencing UAW leadership, we plan to undertake action to provide opportunities for union-management dialogue and joint problem solving. There is a need for union, for the union to understand the competitive challenge, for management to understand the concerns of union and hourly rank and file, and to share successful joint problem-solving experiences. There are a number of leadership tiers that we must worry about. Owen Beaver, Eflin, GM Department, UAW Technical Staff, Regional Directors, National Bargaining Committee, National Presidents, and Shop Chairmen. Actions to influence the UAW will be concentrated on three levels. Elfin, the National Bargaining Committee, and regional and local UAW leaders. Some of the ideas being considered for implementation include dialogue with EFLAN. Continuation of the one-on-one briefings of Eflin by ASW with Alfred Warren. A series of one-on-one sessions for Eflin to exchange views with key members of management. It is proposed that Eflin, together with Alfred Warren and FJMC visit, four num- visit a number of plants where innovative solutions have been devised. Provide Eflin and the time to educate secondary leadership and the regional sub-councils on profit sharing. National Bargaining Committee. A series of one-day workshops would be scheduled on a monthly basis for both the UAW National Bargaining Committee and GM. The intent would be to provide a common information base an opportunity for dialogue in a problem-solving context, and a focus on non-business needs as a reference point for future bargaining. A joint union management off-site on the auto industry of the 80s could be scheduled. The objectives would be to shift the focus of bargaining to future business needs and foster a mutual interest in improving the bargaining process. Presentations by management, union, and external speakers would be made. The group would develop joint principles for union management relations in the 80s. Based on the joint principles for the 80s, a joint task force based on joint principles for the 80s on bargaining would be appointed by Alfred Warren and Eflin to review the formal bargaining process and recommend changes to facilities achieving the mutual objectives. The end, Leaver.
1: Okay. You noticed that they had a very, very sophisticated plan of influencing the union leadership. Again, the union leadership knew about this a year after this document was per, per, uh, written, produced. And they did nothing to sort of say, hey, this isn't good for our membership. They just laid over and let it happen, just like the ones that are there now. This entire leadership for the last 30-some years has failed us in absolutely knowing in advance what the company was about to do. You heard there about joint training things and joint programs. This was before joint training centers were established in 1984 agreement. A year before the bargaining went off, they planned to have these joint training centers. At one time, these were General Motors salary positions that got moved over into the auspices of joint training plans for the union to administer. It's become so much so that there's one General Motors local union, and I've said this before because of a conversation with one of the members of the plant have been disabused by this process where the union our union actually administers the manpower moves in this facility and that means that they're not subject to the federal laws of EEOC etc Because their only recourse, if the union does it, is to file an Article 33 appeal challenging the decision of the union's pro- procedures here. And in this day and age, when members have to go to union meetings that are beholding to the leadership, the local leadership, to retain their job as an appointed person, they must toe the line. So an Article 33 on the floor of a local union meeting is destined to fail and likely to fail at all upper levels as well. The union's business is the union's business, and management's business is management's business. And manpower moves are management's business. We monitor them and make sure they do them right, to be sure. But it's their job. And that's an outcropping of this jointness that was initiated in 1983, committed to black-letter print in writing in the 1984 CBA, Collective Bargaining Agreement. And it has grown to the level that it is now. And once it was intended for the benefit of the corporation, has now seemingly began to benefit individuals in the administering of such things, allegedly. This is out of hand, brothers and sisters, and it needs to be changed. And there's one group of people dedicated to changing. And we're called working for a living. This is wrong that they knew about this in advance and did nothing to attempt to protect the membership. We don't know what promises may have been made. We know some things where people were removed for abusing the system many years ago, removed from office. from the Joint Training Center. So, David, do you have anything to add on that little piece you just wrote about how this memo was uh, supposed to influence the union leadership?
0: There's some more on how it influenced us as workers. Um, When the joint training, when joint fundedness was... um, Negotiated. It was for the purpose of retraining laid off workers. We have an extreme amount of people who are on layoff. That was its purpose to retrain workers. Um, it did do a portion of that. Um, but classes began to be held, people were appointed to conduct these classes, we were brought in to listen to um, basically a dog and pony show, how we would become more competitive. There was also um, what's known as quality of work life initiative. After having worked for the company for some six years, an ornery old man who never spoke to anybody was if he was going to yell at you or put you on notice and bring you to the office for discipline. The greatest shock ever experienced was the day the man come down the assembly line and began to shake every employee's hand and tell them, What a wonderful job you're doing for the company, and I appreciate everything you do. And he wanted to shake our hands. Employee to employee right down the line. You could see the pain written all over his face. He didn't want to do what he was told to do. This is the beginning of the brainwash program and the joint-funded training funds were used to influence us, just as these documents say, as well as our leadership. It went way further than just training workers to do something different. Those of us who were on layoffs, we found ourselves in a position Where if we applied for a job somewhere else, they wouldn't even look at our applications when it said GM at the bottom. Employers knew when we were called back to General Motors, they'd be left holding the bag. So we were basically unemployable. Many of us went out and started something else on the outside on our own, become independent contractors. That's what I did. you want to add to that, Leroy?
1: Okay. Yeah, I have a couple comments still. I mean, you mentioned I didn't, but you did. Competitiveness, and that's all we hear these days. Well, we have to keep the corporation competitive. Competitive, okay? Well, we're supposed to be competitive. The union's supposed to be competitive for our members and not have our wages suppressed. This writer, the author of this article, a year after this document, core document was leaked, said this. If these proposals are accepted by the UAW at the targeted operations, pay attention, it would involve a major break with UAW pattern setting approach that takes Wages out of, out of competition. It would destroy the principle of equal pay for equal work and set worker against worker and/or local union against local union. I give you BIQ in the General Motors structure, built-in quality you have to have a certain number in order to track new work into your facility. And everybody's been brainwashed about that, that number. And we aren't supposed to be in the business of selecting where new work goes. That's for management to do. We'll fight Sure, to be sure, we'll fight when they do it wrong or when they do it against their own interest. You see, the stakeholders in all of this include other groups of people and entities. Stakeholders, to be sure and pay attention, are as follows the government, so they get their taxes, us, the workers, so we get fair remuneration, that's wages and all of our benefits, the stockholders and the bondholders, and the communities in which these corporations exist are all the stakeholders. Now, so far, so far, our union has not partnered with any of the other stakeholders. And I can tell you for sure that under a Working for a Living caucus administration, we will partner with other groups of the stakeholders to bring these corporations to their knees, to their knees, and stop stealing from all of the stakeholders for the benefit of the executive suite. And it hasn't been done, and shame on those of you who have not done it thus far. Believe me, This can be done. And it will be done. Brings me to another point. Somebody mentioned that I was obsessed with money. Well, it takes money to run a caucus, and I've been building money to do just that. But I'm going to tell you a little story. Today, Because of who and what I am and what I know, I've been building a record of that, along with the other part of our team, for over two years now, and you have had insight into who and what I am, and many of my peers here in the Lansing, Michigan area have known for years of my successes around I was offered $200,000 to become a minority less than a majority partner in an $800,000 business and I turned it down my attorney asked me if I'd lost my mind this afternoon I told them, no, there's a higher purpose here to continue with what we're doing. This isn't about me or my remuneration or wages. I can go out and earn that kind of money, snap. I turned down $200,000 today to continue this effort. David, do you have any more to add to this report?
0: Um, Not this week, Larry. Um, I'd like to say that um, all of the leaders who participated in this war administration caucus um, and still continue to this day. Correct. They still follow the mantra. That this document created so many years ago. So as we continue it and go through the rest of it and you get to read the companion piece that will be put out that goes with the show and the next week's show. I think you'll find that some very disturbing reading. And we can continue on with any more leaders of the administration caucus. off.
1: Okay, thank you. Um, Yeah, this, this promises to be a very insightful series that we're doing. We've broken it down into five parts, and we hope that you find it insightful and help you to make your decision when it comes time to vote for delegate, not to support anybody that had anything to do with the demise of our union in full knowledge of what was being perpetrated upon us by the corporation General Motors. So uh, let me go on to my report a little bit. Uh, we're going to not be too much longer here. Uh, we're recorded at eight now. So we try and keep it to an hour tonight. Uh, a good brother had brought it to my attention. We did mention it in one of the previous announcements a month or so ago about tuition assistance program. If you're an active worker, you're entitled to tuition assistance. Uh, You know, and it's reoccurring. I believe you have to still pay tax on it. That came into being in the late 70s, I think, uh, where you had to start paying tax in maybe early 80s. But it's still a really good benefit um, once you uh, get that. Uh, and it helps you uh, further your education, and we encourage everybody to do that. Uh, the spousal uh, tuition assistance program has been suspended. The retiree tuition assistance program has been suspended for some time, as well as the spousal. So, the you know, our members, the workers, may participate in the tuition assistance program. And it's, you know... Uh, got a lot of benefits to that. If you're laid off, and I checked into this this past weekend, if you're late or last week, I guess, uh, uh, if you're laid off, depending on if you have less than three years seniority, greater than uh, three years seniority. Um, you get a little different amount. I think the maximum over three-year seniority is like 6,400. And once once that's gone, it's gone while you're laid off. It'll reset once you come back to work, once you're recalled, okay? Uh, but we encourage you to participate in the tuition assistance program. Okay, we really, really do. Uh, this is a great program to help yourself uh get a, a better education and if you can you know use that sixty four hundred uh if you have more than three years and you're laid off to go out and get more education or uh you know augment what you have or even start an education uh please do that uh it's in your best interest you know we're faced with a lot of things coming down the road and we don't know where all this is headed we have automation that's coming in that's Uh, Very, very troublesome. Nobody's been talking about what to do about it and how people are going to continue to get paid because the robot's taking their jobs. In Rome, they got lazy and outsourced all their work, much like we've been doing. And they failed. Rome Rome fell. And as we... And that's for why they didn't, you know, they didn't have any money circulating in their own, you know, community. You have to build something, a strong economy. have to build something for sale and pay people properly in order to have a strong economy. When you put robots in, then, you know, robots don't go out and buy a damn thing. Not one penny do they spend. So... You know, once we get in authority, we plan on having a task force to address that. Uh, We would encourage uh, tuition assistance be used to help advance your uh, education in the area of uh, how to maintain and program robots. That is the coming future. Please pay attention to what we just said. And uh, also, I want to talk about this move to Fort Wayne. I looked high and low to find out what a, I mean, previously all, I guess I better say this first. Previously, all of the uh, references to Fort Wayne truck were GM Fort Wayne or GM Fort Wayne Assembly, uh, along those lines. The uh, I, I'm privy to a, a copy of the offer that was sent out to everybody that they're looking to fill 288 spots at Fort Wayne from other facilities, and they're asking you to come over there. Uh, it says if you accept the offer you will be a member of GMVM, that's Victor, Mike, okay, General Motors VM in uh, Fort Wayne, GMVM Fort Wayne. Now, I looked high and low on the Internet to find out what GMVM is. I looked all through the contract, the current contract that I have a copy of, about anything with regard to GMVM. We have stuff in there about GM SPO. We have stuff in there about uh, GM CH. But nothing about GM VM. Victor, mother, Victor, Mike. Well, mother's the the military. Uh, so uh, I would encourage each and every one of you considering this offer to find out what GM VM is prior to accepting that offer you should you know i'm not saying not to or to i'm saying you need to educate yourself on what a gmbm is because it looks like a different corporate entity from where i sit i don't know i'm asking you to double check before you make a decision and that's a personal decision that you have to make on your own but I'd hate to see somebody go to work at another entity that's been slickly crafted to take you out of the bargaining unit. So be careful. Please be careful. Just look at it, call the number and ask them about it, what it is. You know the number's on your, your offer. I'm not going to say it on the air because it's just not appropriate to do that. Uh, but you, each of you have the absolute right to call that number and clarify this division that you'll be going going into and assure that that's part of the General Motors Master Agreement because you're under that now. There are some offers from the GMCH people for the GMCH people to go to this. Uh, As you know, in your offer, it says that you can take option. um, Most of this under 96A qualify. You can get option one or option three. Option one is the $30,000 and you sever your uh, rights to your uh, previous plant. And you can take option three, which retains your right to your previous plant, and you only get 5000 basic moving money. Again, that's a, that is a personal decision. When you move... If you have greater than January 7, 1985, seniority, you will take your full corporate seniority with you. You will not go as a day one employee. That is the result, that 1785 phantom seniority date, of an article I wrote on July 8, 1993, in the Flint Journal. And the result of that was corporate seniority and 1785 for anybody with greater than that January 7th date. I've been doing this for a long time, people, and I kind of know what I'm doing. So be careful as you assess your situation. Understand you'll have your corporate seniority date, your OGM date, overall General Motors date, when you move to the new plan, plan that you have two options receiving money if should you accept it and I encourage you to know what GMVM is before making any decision okay with that said that's all I have David do you have any uh, input with that
0: Um, I would like to build on um, continuing education that you spoke of Leroy okay um like to talk a little bit about working for a living caucus. Um, working for a living caucus is now um, in addition to the administration caucus. It's forever. It doesn't go away. The administration caucus has existed for 70 years. They've enjoyed that for 70 years. Pretty much acclamation to office. That ends with Working for Eleven Caucus. Working for Eleven Caucus is now a permanent entity within the UIW structure. With that said, Working for Eleven Caucus will need future leaders. Possibly. There's a portion of our membership out there that would pursue labor studies. If you're in Michigan, Justin is Wayne State University. In the process of gaining education, please run for local offices. Get local e-board experience. Prepare yourselves to be the future leaders of the UAW. Work and Federal Living Caucus belongs to everybody. Participation in it is voluntary. Future needs. Future leaders. And those leaders will come from the youth. That's all I have to say there.
1: Okay. Well, thank you, David. Um, So, uh, with that... Uh, do you have anything else you'd like to say, David, on tonight's show no, before we close about it out? No,
0: that wraps it up for me tonight, Larry.
1: Okay, thank you, David, for everything you've uh, participated in this week. Uh, I know it's been a, a long time off, but we've been in communication and we had a, a number of things going on. Even though the holidays were upon us, we had a lot of stuff uh, going on because of some... Uh, Games being played at, a, at one of our local unions, and uh, I uh, remind, uh, in my own uh, comments regarding anything, I remind that uh, the uh, in a court uh, of law, uh, if you're being tried uh, for a five mile an hour over speed limit violation. That they can't bring in drunk driving because you weren't drunk in a court of law, you have to stick with the evidence as provided at the time of charges may not bring in outside information months after the charges have been written in the process of the election and outside, the election officials may not remove somebody from office, but they are indeed
0: mandated
1: not to allow anybody to run for office that's barred from running from office, running for office. Just saying. That's how the outside works. That's how the insights work, too. Due process is, in fact, due process. You may not bring in outside stuff. Having said that, if the, uh, the listeners found anything of value here this evening... We would ask you to tell just one person. Oh, I do have one other announcement. Um, uh, it's been uh, leaked out there already, so it's in the public forum. Uh, uh, yours truly, I, I've been asked to be on a radio show Sunday morning at ten o'clock, uh, the twenty-first of. to double check. this twenty-first of January. And I've accepted. I'll be on a air broadcast, regular broadcast radio uh, on WKBN, Youngstown, Ohio, at 10 a.m. on Sunday, the 21st. So, those of you in the Youngstown, Ohio area, in Pittsburgh, where most of the north side of Pittsburgh, named after my family, uh, and I actually have a zip code there. One five two three seven. You can all look that up should you choose to. Named after my my family for having been there for almost three hundred years. In uh, two thousand twenty, it'll be three hundred years. Um, uh, please uh, listen in if you can catch it in Cleveland. I'm not sure the actual broadcast area of WKBN, but it is a former a uh, uh, foremost. Radio show in uh, radio station in the area. So I'm honored to be on there and I believe you'll enjoy listening to that. We have uh, some bullet points that we'll cover with that um, moderator there and I appreciate it very much so. So thank you for that. Uh, Again, if you found any value in this, uh, please uh, do let uh, uh, just one more person know and build our team. Uh, we really appreciate it. The team's uh, building our list as you navigate the Internet. You'll see our little logo, Join the Team, and just click on it, and uh, you can be redirected to a spot where you can uh, join the team in a very protected and secret way so that you don't become under any scrutiny and you can just function as a, uh, in a stealth mode, so to speak, and be, you don't have to worry about any reprisals for supporting us because it's all protected. Uh, I believe I would call it triple protection. So thank you for listening. Uh, Thank our friends around the world, Uh, six of the seven continents. We don't have anybody in Antarctica listening at this time, but everybody else, every other continent does listen. Thanks to our friends in Mexico and Canada, all around the United States. Uh, Please have a safe week, and um, best of luck in the next week or two. The very best of luck to all of you. With that said, good night, listeners, and good night, David.
0: Good night, Leroy. Good night, everybody.